0: Welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. In this episode, we're discussing SST-44, the Meat Puppets in a Car EP. And it's a very odd release. We're going a bit back in time.
1: It's a prequel episode, Ryan.
0: It is. It's a prequel episode. You got it. We've been through a couple of Meat Puppets records so far, but this is going back to before they were signed to SST. So very cool. Anyways, before we get into it, I had a couple of spiels, Brent. Lay on me. All right. So you remember you were mentioning that band Magnolia Thunderpussy?
1: Oh, yeah. Yep.
0: So since we spoke last, got myself a Magnolia Thunderpussy CD. And you know what? Not too shabby. Yeah. It's got, like, I believe the original studio album from 85, which is the first 11 tracks. And then about a dozen tracks, which is a live show from the yeah. same era. and. The show was taped like a week after D Boone passed away, so they give kind of a bit of a tribute to him over the mic. So Right. Does it have liner notes? Oh yeah. It's got a big booklet in it.
1: Any uh any cool factoids in there?
0: Oh, I haven't read through it yet. This is still pretty fresh. I've just okay. listened to it, but there's tons
1: Well everyone can stay tuned for an update on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks. Oh, and I wanted to uh mention this is episode forty four. You know what that means, right? What? Only 35 more episodes until uh, Raging Full On. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I wanted to mention a book that I'm reading, too, as kind of a final spiel. And it's not really SST related, but it is related to kind of the aesthetic of a label. It's called The House That Train Built. And it's a story of John Coltrane, but also Impulse Records and Mm -hmm. about kind of how He was one of the main artists that really brought that label to prominence and how that label had an aesthetic and kind of a roster of bands and stuff like that, or bands, I should say, you know, art recording artists. And uh, I was just kind of thinking to myself when I was reading it on the train this week about the parallels as I'm reading this to SST, actually, a couple of prominent artists and then just kept on expanding expanding and uh that whole label ethos um so i don't know it's actually a really good read i've read a bunch of books about jazz before but this one is a real page turner have
1: you seen the john coltrane documentary yes is it good
0: oh yeah it's pretty good there's a number of them though the the one that's out right now is just kind of the latest one on netflix
1: oh is it on netflix
0: yeah it's pretty it's it's really good I mean, you know this, like a number of, well, maybe you don't know this, but a number of years ago, I basically just decided to buy every single Coltrane record I could find, and uh, I just got really immersed in him for like a year. That's a a number of years ago. One thing I will say about that most recent documentary, though, it's just caused me to rediscover a couple of my favorite albums, and I'm not much of an audio snob, but listening to um, some of the mono recordings with different ears on is very cool.
1: I'll have to check that out.
0: Oh, and one other thing, Brandt. What's up? So, uh, what you been listening to?
1: Jeez, man, I don't know. I've been kind of all over the place. I was listening to a Hot Nasties 45 today.
0: Whoa! Yep. Some old Canadian punk.
1: Yep. Uh, what else? I listened to a Bunny Whaler record today. I listened to one of Bruce Dickinson's solo albums today. Oh, and I was rocking with Dokken, too. Uh, Dokken. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I got the I got the new Dawkins DVD of their reunion show, Return to the East. And I also got the Anthrax DVD, Kings Among Scotland. So I've been I've been rocking both of those.
0: Oh man. Did you listen to the new DOA yet?
1: Uh yeah. Well i yeah, I've listened to it a lot. I I have a review for it when I get to my spiel. Oh okay. What do you what have you been listening to?
0: You know, I've been listening I actually was just talking about it. I've been listening to a fair amount of Coltrane this week, but one thing I was listening to this week that I wanted to mention, now the ask, was I was actually listening to a bunch of Dostamin, but stuff that's not on SST. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a record by them called Mousetrap on Twin Tone, and I was really getting into that this week. I don't know. I mean, they just seem so underappreciated to me, and I'm I'm digging deeper into and I can't wait to uh, get to the next episode on them. I guess the other thing I got other than that and Magnolia thunder pussy this week i got a a cd by this band called tongue party Hmm. which is kind of a a noise rock band i got a cassette by them and a cd in the mail and i've been listening to them a lot kind of noisy amphetamine reptile stuff perfect for on the train ride into work
1: okay uh so you mentioned magnolia thunder pussy who we discussed in our uh interview with Joe Carducci that's up on our blog, mojackpod.com. Thanks to everybody who checked that out. We got great feedback on it. Now, I know we haven't had much up on it for a few weeks, but we're working on that. We've got some great stuff in the works, so stay tuned. And uh, we've got a great new article going up at the same time as this podcast with friend of the pod, Jeff Shrek. He wrote up a piece about In a Car, and it's kind of like a half-personal essay, half-review of In a Car. And Jeff's from New Jersey, he's uh, got a new band called Character Actor, they've got a single out on Dirt Cult Records that's really good, and uh, he used to be in a band called The Ergs, and he's also done some writing for Razorcake, Cake, other friends of the pod. Yes. So, thanks to Jeff for writing it, it's really cool that he did that, and everyone should go check that out. And stay tuned to the blog, because we've got some great stuff uh, cooking up for that. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, Ryan, was this DOA al- album, because I think I said last week that I was going to have a review for it. Yep. Okay, well here it comes. So this is uh, DOA's 40th anniversary album, and they're on tour right now When as this airs, they will be touring the States. Uh, the album's called Fight Back. I think it's their 17th full-length album. And of course they've got a zillion singles and EPs There's a video for the kind of lead-off track, which is called You Need an Ass Kicking Right Now, which is kind of more of like a rock DOA song, but it's good. And then they go into this track called Killer Cops, which is like classic DOA. And there's a few funny songs, like We Won't Drink This Piss. Can you guess what that is about?
0: American Beer?
1: Yeah. (laughs) They've got one called You Can't Stop Me, which is like a hockey song, about like the movie Slapshot there's a track called just got back from the USA. You know that, um, there's a song on 13 flavors of doom called bombs away. Do you know that one? It goes, Hey, Hey, get out of my way. Just got back from the USA. Yeah. Well, they revised that, which I've always thought could have been more of a song. And that's the chorus of this one. And that, that one's really good. And then there's a couple more old school, like, uh, almost like the prisoner or fucked up baby type songs. Like, uh, State control, and the cops are coming. I'm desperate. Oh, there's a song called The Last Beer, which it might be maybe about Wimpy Roy or somebody.
0: Is that Donny song on there?
1: No. not sure which one you mean. Donnie Brook?
0: No, 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 no. He read, He read. Uh, like Joey redid the Ronnie song, but did it Donnie.
1: Oh, no, no. That's on a single.
0: A single, okay.
1: Yep. Yeah. And uh, it ends with a track called World's Been Turned Upside Down, which is more of a... Sounds like something that could have been on maybe Festival of Atheists or something like that. It's worth checking out for sure.
0: Yeah, Festival of Atheists is, is probably the last one that I bought, and I oh, think yeah. they, they put out like four or five since then.
1: Oh, more than that. Jeez. Yeah.
0: Well, you, you got to give it to Joey.
1: Yeah, he keeps cranking them out, and they're all worth—they're all worth your time for sure. That's it for me. I'm all spieled out.
0: Right on. Well, let's get in a car.
1: History lesson, part one.
0: Okay, so as mentioned at the top of the podcast, we're going a bit back in time. We have went through Meat Puppets 1 and 2. And uh, we're now going back to before those albums were recorded to this EP. And I actually only have this EP on a three-inch CD. I don't have it on a seven-inch or anything. Do you have the means to play that? (laughs) I do. It plays in any sort of... uh, you know top loading cd tray you can't stick it in your laptop or your car though
1: <laughs> i don't own the single but it's on the it's on the the Ricoh disc reissue of the first album
0: yeah i bet yep. you i have it on there too now you now that you mention that
1: yeah that's all i have it on
0: but this came out originally in 1981 wasn't released on sst until 1985 yeah so the puppets were a really different band when this actually came out and probably got broader distribution in 85
1: Yeah, well, it was recorded, I found a date, June 4th, 1981. It was originally issued on this art collective slash record label called World Imitation Records. Or WIMP, I guess they called it. World Imitation... Imitation? I don't know how they came up with that acronym.
0: There's no P in World
1: Imitation. No, I'm just (laughs) realizing that now. (laughs) Uh, It was recorded in Silver Lake Studio in Los Angeles. Uh, with Ed Barger, and uh, it was recorded at the same time as the full-length album for the band Monitor. And if you read the book Too High to Die by Greg Prado, which is excellent, he t- it talks a lot about Monitor. Monitor was really around a lot during the early early days of the Meat Puppets. The, the World Imitation Records kind of morphed into, a, into the band Monitor, and then finally, a production company, and they only released a handful of records. The the Monitor one, which has since been since been reissued uh, on that label Superior Viaduct, and another, and I think a single by a surf band called the Tiki's, which I've never heard, but I think it's the same people that were in Monitor were in the Tiki's, and this single, and maybe a few things by this band Human Hands, who's another band you hear a lot from that scene. You hear a lot of like. The bands that come up are like, from that scene, are Nervous Gender, Human Hands, Bee People. I believe Ed Barger also recorded the Human Hands stuff, and he apparently did the first Devo singles. I read somewhere that he did the uh, Jocko Homo single.
0: Yeah, it's mentioned in Greg Prado's book. Is it? Yeah, that band, Human Hands, is also on a compilation with Meat Puppets that has some tracks that were recorded even before these In-A-Car tracks, the Keats Rides a Harley compilation.
1: Okay, and that came out, is that on Happy Squid?
0: Happy Squid, which is a label by the guys from the urinals. Yeah. And that compilation has like Toxic Shock, Gun Club, The Leaving Trains, who also released some stuff on uh, Happy Squid Records, Human Hands, Hundred Flowers, which was the urinals basically, Danny and the doorknobs, which is kind of a I guess I think they morphed into Trotsky Ice Pick. We'll okay. we'll learn we'll learn about that in some time on the podcast. But this uh, this compilation, the the two me puppet songs on it, H. Eleanor and The Losing End, I think the Losing End is a Neil Young song.
1: Yeah, I don't think that was on the original LP. I think you must be talking about the C D version.
0: It's bonus tracks. I've yeah. only got the CD. And the H. Eleanor, though, is basically just a, a scream fest.
1: I, re- I read, I think I saw this in Too High to Die, that Lou Bar- Barlow said that could be his favorite song ever by any band.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, people really gush about this single in terms of the impact it had, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of the, like, they interview a lot of people in the Too High to Die book, and they're all over it, like... Uh, and a lot of Beefheart comparisons. Did you catch that?
0: There are a few, yeah.
1: Like, Des compares them to Beefheart. Dave Markey talks about being a big fan and a big uh, Devo and Beefheart fan, and he d- draws a comparison to them and the Meat Puppets around this time, mostly because of their, like, surrealism and artiness. Mark Arm says they're like, they were like a faster version of Flipper. He compares them to uh, that band Void and Canadian band The Neos that you hear a lot about.
0: Yeah, from Victoria.
1: Yeah. A lot of the bands that you hear from also, like this is early Hollywood, the early Hollywood scene. Like the Meat Puppets were almost like a first wave band. Like they were playing with The Feeders, Fear, Vox Pop.
0: In Prado's book, he makes it sound like, I can't remember if it was... Chris or Kurt, but that, like, one of them joined the feeders for a show or I think, two.
1: I think it was Chris. Yeah. It's a great book. I'm going to I'm gonna spiel about Monitor a little bit. Do you, Have you heard them?
0: I have not. I actually didn't. I read this book a long time ago. Well, not that long ago. But it didn't really sink in that it was like a band when I read it the first time. And when I was rereading the chapter on In a Cartoon, I was like, oh, man, that is a band. I should check them out.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you can still get the CD. It's got, I think, everything. It's for sure got the album that they recorded at this time that has the Meat Puppet song on it, which we'll get to in a minute. And I think it's got, well, I know it has their 7-inch their too. Beak was the name of the 7-inch. It's pretty interesting. It's quite arty and experimental. It's kind of all over the place. Some songs are just like synth and percussion. There's some world music stuff going on. It reminds me of like a band like chrome or silver apples or i mean it's pretty out there but it's it's good it's interesting uh so monitor we're going to be talking about one of the guys later on down the line keith mitchell he was in uh green on red one of my favorite bands but he he was also in opal he played on uh played drums on happy nightmare baby ah which is one of the uh the albums that you hear talked about a lot hidden gem uh, yeah another person from monitor was michael He was in a band called Romans that I really got kind of obsessed with about a year ago. I happened to buy this record, an early Dream Syndicate record, and it has had a little like a label subsidiary on it called Down There Records. And it was called like down. This is Down There Records 6. And I learned that that was a Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate imprint on Enigma. So I was like, well, what are the other bands on here? and i tracked most of them down and one of them is a band this an album by this band called the romans called Last Days at the Ranch this dude michael is going to go on to play in the romans so that was pretty cool for me to to learn i didn't know that until i was researching for the pod
0: what are romans like
1: they're like uh they're like green on red or something they're like a uh, you know kind of like a uh, a more punk version of like the long riders or something i think they have two albums and uh steve who played Keys, and Lori uh, O'Connell was the bass player, and they were married in Monitor, and Lori helped produce the In A Car single.
0: Yeah, she's given credit on the back here, I see it.
1: Yeah, so they recorded it, so basically, Monitor had this song called Hair, and they asked the Meat Puppets to record it, like it was their song, they wrote it, but they wanted to put it out on their album, which it is, it's on this this self-titled album, and it's just listed by the meat puppets on the album, which is kind of a weird thing to do if you think about it. But apparently they didn't want to record it, or maybe they wanted to get, give the meat puppets a hand. I'm not sure what the, the rationale was. So this, this was recorded at the same time as the Monitor album. They go in with, with this guy Ed Barger, and he basically says to him as a thank you for recording this song Hair for the Monitor album. You guys can record some of your own stuff. So they did the uh, In a Car single.
0: I seem to recall reading that Monitor asked him to to play hair because Monitor couldn't actually perform their own song that well like that song but
1: it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy track. Yeah. It's it's like that HL Eleanor song. I found a Matt Groening quote from the LA Reader about Monitor. <laughs> from like when it when the album came out he said Monitor's debut album is a compendium of mutant amplified folk tunes, and it's the best local release I've heard all year.
0: Huh? That's it. he must have been some sort of scenester back then. Yeah, because we'll we'll see him later on with Crazy Backwards Alphabet, but he has shown up on a number of books and stuff that I've read from back then. So, I guess the the visual artists mixed with the recording artists back then. Yeah. Well, that's cool.
1: That's monitor.
0: Yeah, I was reading in Greg Prado's book as well, too, that they originally only pressed, I think, like a thousand of these. And if you look at the cover artwork, it's kind of a doodle. And apparently everyone in the band was doodling and they were putting like an individual doodle in each of those original thousand seven inches or something like that.
1: Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Be cool to have one of those.
0: I couldn't find one online, though. Like a picture of it. Oh, yeah an example, I bet you they all kind of got tossed or f- completely forgotten.
1: Well, speaking of the art, are you do you want to move on to history lesson part 2? Let's do it. History lesson part 2. Since we're already talking about the art, um it was I guess drawn by uh Damon Bostrom, who was uh Derek Bostrom's younger brother. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty cool.
0: So my my 3-inch cd version actually calls it like on the actual i don't know the disc itself it calls it in a car but that's not yeah. that's not what it was originally called it was just i guess self-titled
1: yeah well they probably like started calling it that once it appeared in like sst catalogs and stuff you know uh,
0: but the artwork is pretty simple i mean at least on on this version without seeing an original one Or any any of the individual artwork, it's just a doodle. It looks like some sort of weird, deformed king on some hills, looking up at a moon, and then almost like a, I don't know, a snake or Loch Ness monster head and like a turkey head poking out of the bottom. That's the best I can do for the cover artwork.
1: I found a cool quote about the recording session by Derek Bostrom in the. In the CD reissue from Ranko Disc, he said the session was made considerably easier by the presence of Ed Barger, the engineer on the first Devo singles, and because we used monitors equipment which was already set up, we just stepped in and ripped, recording six keepers in as many takes. Sorry, back to the back to the art. Um, the one thing I found in like, what did you think? Did you look up look at the back cover?
0: I did not, and I just looked at my version, which is just words. There's no artwork on it
1: to me, it looks like a picture of like a the ceiling of like a cathedral or an old church or something, okay, with like a mural on it, like some religious mural, and the only thing I could found was a reference Chris made in the in the Greg Prado book, where he says we used some Italian dude on the back. <laughs> So
0: if only there was some sort of device where I could look up that photo right now and see it myself, if only I should have looked that up. Let me see here. Okay, here we go. Oh, well, yeah, of course.
1: Is that what you see?
0: Yeah, it's the top of a cathedral. Yeah. For sure. It's probably something it's hard to make out in the photo, but I mean, it could be that could be the top of the Sistine Chapel and it could be Michelangelo or something. Who knows?
1: I mean, if you're looking on Discogs, that's, you know, a scan of a photocopied single. It doesn't.
0: The resolution you know. is terrible. Yeah. But I've been in enough uh, enough old churches and that's what that is.
1: It's pretty bare bones single.
0: Yeah. There's not much not much to it. And the music, like it's over before you know it.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the tracks.
0: Right on. So I I will say you're way more of a meat puppets fan than I am. Um, I gained, and I am a fan of the meat puppets. I gained a bit more of an appreciation for them after listening to this. Some of this stuff is pretty crazy, but I kind of, you know, it still is all over the place and they're a really tight band and they're really good musicians on it, even though some of it is, pretty crazy sounding so definitely uh open my mind up a bit more uh, with respect to meat puppets on listening to this a few times in a row
1: yeah again for me it's not i mean i didn't have i didn't own this you know back in the day so it's not one i go back to and i th- i think for me anyways i mean i there are a lot of people that love this single and love the first meat puppets album i'm not one of them but I can appreciate it and put it in context. You know, they were a very unique band for their time, for sure. And already, even though they were in the hardcore scene, they were doing their own thing. Yeah,
0: it's a time and place thing for the people that are my, my impression is that for the people who really gush about this in the first album, it's because they these recordings found them at a particular time in their life. Back in the '80s, and this was this was a mind blower. Yeah.
1: If you if you go to our blog and read the uh, the article by Jeff Shrek, he he definitely kind of captures that that sentiment as well.
0: Exactly, yeah. and he's not the only one. Like in Prado's book, there are a number of people who who talk about the band at this time in that way. Lou Barlow, Rollins, Buzz uh, Osborne, yeah, the Butthole Surfers guys, uh, Mark Arm you know this was they definitely made waves with this record Kim Thale. Yeah.
1: Here's a here's a good review I found online for it. The best way to spend 5 minutes of your shitty day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You want to you want to talk about those 5 minutes? Sure. So it starts off within a car. Yep. It's a pretty crazy track. It's it's you know, it's hardcore.
0: Indecipherable lyrics
1: yeah Kurt Kurt says in the book that this one was written by Chris, and it's a teen tragedy, tragedy like teen kind of like teen Angel or something like that. You would never get that by listening to it though
0: no, I seem to recall reading that it was like there are a bunch of vocals screamed at the end about a friend of theirs that actually died in a car accident
1: yeah yeah I think I think it's Chris that's talking about that yep. second track is Big House. Starts with like the hardcore oompa beat.
0: A little bit of a country feel though.
1: Yeah, it kind of has like some finger picking in the guitar solo, which is pretty cool. Like it's, you know, it's definitely advanced guitar playing already from Kurt. Yeah,
0: my note on that song was that you can really see that there's some musicianship in the band.
1: Yeah, I think this is the one that Buzz Osborne says is his favorite song.
0: It's the most. Pop song, I guess. Yeah. The next song, Dolphin Field has got some some plucking on it too, right? Yeah, this is
1: the B side already. If if we're if we were listening it to it as it originally came out, right. It starts with that oompa beat again. I thought the riff, as soon as I heard it, reminded me of that Circle Jerk song, "I Just Want Some Skank" or Straight Edge. Yeah. Yep. By uh, Minor Threat. Yeah, and all these songs are really short too. Uh. In a car is one minute twenty seconds, Big House is one minute five seconds, Dolphin Field is one minute six seconds. The next track, Out in the Gardener, is one minute.
0: More plucking on that one.
1: Yeah, it's an instrumental, but it's cool. And the single ends with a thirty second song thirty six second song called Foreign Lawns. It's probably the most most accessible song to like hardcore audiences. That's like the least weird song, I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Straight ahead. Pretty pretty straightforward hardcore. And yeah, it's over.
1: <laughs> yep, that's it. So yeah, like we said, it came out in 85 on SST. Weird that they chose to reissue this single, I think. but
0: I guess at that stage, they were probably getting a lot of traction. You know, Meat Puppets were selling some records, and it's like, well, we might as well put out their first single that no one can get, right? Yeah. They they even re-released this single on SST seventy, the seven-inch wonders of the world. So they didn't they released this SST re-released this single twice.
1: Yeah, uh, the single itself, as far as I can tell, is virtually identical to the uh, World Imitation one. I, as I said, I don't have it, but according to Discogs, both sides are etched with a sideways uh, K letter K that's facing downwards. Huh. But I wonder if that's that's not the K that we, the K-disc etching that we've seen on some of the records.
0: Oh, okay. I was thinking it might be Kirkwood. K for Kirkwood.
1: That could be too.
0: I bet you the K-disc is probably more likely to be right.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: Well, that's it. We've been in a car. Do you want to uh, do the ballot result? Yeah. Ballot result.
1: Did you pick one, right?
0: Honestly not really. I mean, I kind of feel like uh the puppets are a brand band and so I don't I don't want to uh I don't want to cramp your style. Uh well, I
1: picked the song in a car.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I it was the one I liked the most, but I mean, <laughs> there's going to be people that are probably upset with us for not giving this single the it's uh it's due.
0: And we're not crapping all over it. It's just no it's a time and place thing. There are people where this is you know pick pick any one of yours and my favorite albums of all time our top ten or top top five even or whatever you know there are people who have this single in their top five of all time, and that's yeah. a, that's a time and place thing,
1: yeah for because, sure
0: because it's good, but it this just would not come close to my top five ten, even twenty,
1: yeah agreed okay what's next week ryan
0: next week is black flag in my head which is the last black flag full length i believe
1: haha <laughs> can't wait for that one
0: there are a few more black flag singles that come out posthumously i guess but this is yeah. the last lp
1: well we'll uh, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe in a car
1: Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at MoJackPod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is MoJackPod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content.